We think that people are looking for us to make great decisions, um, you know, always have the right answers. I think people are looking at us to lead ourselves well and lead out of that and be transparent and be open, um, lead with authenticity um, because they want to follow people who are real. Well, hello, and thanks for tuning in to another episode of the podcast. I am so excited to share this week's interview with you. Just a couple of weeks ago, I got to sit down with Pastor Tammy Giffen, and Tammy is the lead pastor of Groundswell Church, which is a multi-site church in central Nova Scotia. We have had a good Atlantic Canada contingent, and all of them have been such great chats, and so was this. Tammy and her team planted the church in September of 2018, and the mission and culture of Groundswell is so compelling. And I think that's because it's been shaped by Tammy's own story. We chat about it a lot in the interview, so I don't want to give too much away, but Tammy came to know Jesus late in her 20s through Alpha. And ever since then, she's had this deep conviction for the church to be a place where unchurched people can find community and belonging and explore the life of Jesus. It was so refreshing to be able to sit down with Tammy. I love the conversation. And she just reminds me just how many great leaders God has scattered across Canada who are doing the good work of loving their city and building local churches. You're going to love this conversation. So I won't say much more. Let's jump on in. Well, hey, Tammy, it is just so nice to be able to have this time to sit across Zoom with you today. How are you doing? Doing great. Yeah, it's a great day here in central Nova Scotia. The sun is shining. So what can we complain no about? No way. Awesome. Yep. <laughs> One part of all of Canada that the sun is shining today and sun you're is there. Shining. How amazing. <laughs> Come on. I love that. Tammy, I've really enjoyed getting to know you from a distance and then even just through this process, hearing a bit of your story. For those that don't know you as well, just give us a little window into your world today and then we'll take some time to rewind uh, the clock a little bit and find out how you found yourself here. But today, what's the building blocks of Tammy Giffen's life? Yeah, well, um, I live here in central Nova Scotia. I've grown up here all my life. I have married with three young adult children, uh, which is crazy to say out loud. I don't feel like I should have three young adult (laughs) children, but I do. Uh, And I'm the lead pastor of Groundswell Church, which is a church plant uh, that launched two years ago, um, which is crazy to even think about. Uh, We have two locations, uh, but three really now that COVID hit and we had to launch an online location as well. Uh, But it's been an absolute joy in my life Mm -hmm. to um, be able to plant Groundswell and to be part of the incredible community that God is building there. So that's a snapshot of what it looks like to be Tammy Giffen today. <laughs> oh, I love it. Thanks for sharing that. And just so exciting to hear all that God has done in in two and a few years, two and a bit years, um, through Groundswell and uh, multiplying your reach. And then like many of us having to pivot and go online. I can't say pivot with a straight face anymore because it's like every leadership talk. It's And there's no slam on the person that did the leadership talk on pivot. I just get the, it's just such a word. So forgive me. We for can't, we can't not say it either. You have yeah. to. It's just embedded now. Hey, I want to go back to a few different points of your story. First, I want to talk about the moment, like what drove you to feel called to plant a church in Truro? 
Well, honestly, to go back to that moment, you have to go back quite a long ways. Um, okay, take me all the way back then. Take me, take me to whatever the best starting point is in your story because I just love your story and I think it's so compelling. So I'd love to hear it. Yeah, I mean, the starting point of my story really is a 27-year-old mom of two young kids who wasn't a believer. Um, mm. I didn't grow up in the church. My parents took me to church a bit when I was a kid, but um, I'm, my dad's not a pastor. My grandfather's not a pastor. Um, but my husband's mom is a very wonderful, devoted Christian woman. And unfortunately, her husband passed away and mm. uh, suddenly, and we moved in with her. And we wow. had two young kids, and um, she asked us to go to Alpha uh, multiple times. And when you're living in the same house, it becomes even harder to say no. <laughs> and I mean, if I'm being completely honest, the only Please reason do. we that we went was because I wanted to go to the dinner, you know, go to the first thing, say that we went, be done. Yeah. And then she would stop asking us. Uh, mm. But at the end of it, so my husband and I went, it was a little old country church Um you know, when you walked in, you went down into the basement that had this combination of the smell of chicken and mothballs, you know, sort of all yeah, yeah. into one. You know. I like that smell. Yeah. It's nostalgic yeah, for me. it is. <laughs> uh, you know, they had, it was all set up. They had done their best to make it really welcoming. And there was a small group of committed people there who wanted people to find Jesus. And so when the, everything was over the first night, the pastor came up to me and he said, so what did you think? And I said, do you really want to know what I think? And he said, yeah, I really want to know what you think. So I don't know how long it was, but I kind of stood there and railed him for quite a while about all of the problems and issues that I had with the church, with church people, uh, with Christianity. Uh, I had had some experience with the church and it was all negative. My experiences were mostly with people that I would have called hypocrites who, you know, did one thing on Sunday and acted completely different for the rest of the week. I had some issues with God around suffering, like a lot of people do. And I just laid it on this guy <laughs> who I didn't even really know. I had met him a few times, maybe at like Christmas Eve or something. Um, but he listened to me wow. and he didn't tell me what to think. And he didn't tell me I was wrong. And I went back the next week <laughs> hmm. and the week after and the week after. And uh, I've never read so many books in my life as I did in that time. Hmm. I would stand out in the parking lot and have super long conversations with this pastor. And he just, he listened and he cared and he let me figure it out. Wow. And it was through Alpha that I met Jesus and it completely changed my life. And I believe, back to your original question, I believe that it was in that moment when I said yes to Jesus that he put that seed in my heart for Groundswell. I mean, I didn't know it wow. then. That was 17 years before it would ever be launched. But there was something that he planted in me at that moment where I had a heart for unchurched people because that was me. Mm. I was one yeah. of those people. And so this 
sense that I wanted to do for other people what that small group of people had done for me started in that moment. Um, To be able to break down barriers for people and create these welcoming environments where they could ask their questions and they could challenge people and they wouldn't, wouldn't feel like they were being judged or they were wrong or they were in the wrong place. Um, I wanted to create that environment. And so as I grew up in spiritually in that little church, and I can remember sitting and listening to the pastor talk and writing down words that I didn't understand. Hmm. I can remember sneaking out of church whenever communion started. Like I'd had to go check on my kids um, because I didn't understand what they were doing Hmm. and it was never really explained to me. And so all of those things started to accumulate over time. And I, all of those things ended up contributing to what Groundswell is today and the heart behind wanting to to launch it, really. Mm. Yeah, mm. I actually, uh, I mean, I found Jesus in that church. I got called to ministry in that church. I ended up pastoring that church. Mm. Um, yeah, which is crazy. Beautiful. I owe so much to the, those people. They put up with mm. so much as I, as I grew, like as a as a follower of Jesus, and then grew into the gifts that they recognized in me before I even saw them. Mm. And so I owe a lot to that little white country church in Stuyak, Nova Scotia. I love that. Yeah. It's interesting. I've been thinking a lot recently, as there are new church plants across Canada. There are leaders coming in and doing rebrands to churches Mm -hmm. and different things in the name of connecting with the next generation. I've been just thinking a lot what it also looks like for us to deeply honor the churches that we got to give credit to for putting up with us as children, as young Christians, and for teaching us the Bible and tilling the soil and praying and serving. And I just love um, just the way you speak about that church. And I just feel like a big part of our future is being excited about innovation, but not idolizing innovation over honor. You know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. I mean, my kids grew up in that church. My my daughter uh, now serves with me uh, as one of the pastors at Groundswell. Amazing. Um, it's like, so good. It's a huge legacy that has come um, out of those moments in that, in that small church. Um, I'm still friends with that pastor now. Um, so good. And now he's calling and checking in with me and asking me advice on online and things that ways that he can help oh, that's the congregation a where he is. Um, my daughter spoke in his church. Um, it's just crazy. And he and I sat in the front row and we're like, this is really trippy. <laughs> because, yeah, I bet. Yeah, um, because it's a legacy from those beginning moments where he just he was willing to listen to me and invest in me uh, and hear my heart. And yeah, we owe a lot um, to to that pastor. Uh, His name's Ken Raines. So if he Mm -hmm. happens to listen, I appreciate him deeply. Um, And that community of believers who, yeah, they loved us through, right? Yeah. They helped us grow up spiritually, which is amazing. I love it. And then they've released you. Obviously, there's more of a journey there. Tell me about the planting journey. So 2018, you launch, I don't know, take us into like 2017 or wherever sort of like things begin to materialize, you're articulating the vision, and then you're moving towards launch. Take us into that window. So when I, um, 
I got drug out of that little country church kicking and screaming. Uh, I probably would have stayed there forever, honestly. I loved the people. I loved, I just loved the direction we were going. It was just, it was so great. And a pastor from another church in a neighboring community came to me and said, I, I think you're the next associate for our church, a much larger mm. church. And I'm like, you are wrong, buddy. Because <laughs> I love these people. I love this place. I can't go. And it was about nine months of me fighting with God um, before I gave in and said, mm. yeah, I am supposed to go here. I don't understand why. Uh, but I am supposed to go. And so I, I moved on to a much larger church, multi-staff. Um, and that church was going through a season of just trying to find themselves again. And God gave me this dream in my heart uh, about Groundswell. At the time, though, I really thought it was a dream for that church. I really, really did. I thought it was a dream that God was placing in me for that church for when they kind of came out of this season. Um, but there became a point where God just completely closed the door on that option. And I'm like, all right, now what? <laughs> what, are, mm. what are we supposed to do now? What, what am I supposed to do with this thing you've been growing in me, this passion and desire to be a church for unchurched people where, you know, we could break down barriers. They could feel loved and cared for and people could meet Jesus there. Like, what do I do with that now? Um, but at the same time, he was birthing a similar dream in some other people. And mm. somehow he brought us all together. Um, and we were like, Oh, this is not just me. This is something that God is trying to birth here. And I think he's calling us to, to be part of that. And so interestingly enough, you don't know this part of the story either, but um, I went to the first Canadian church leaders conference. Cool. And I know the network comes out of a bit of that as well. And um, I met Jeff Brody there, who's a lead pastor of Connexus. And he did one of the seminars and afterwards with, I, I went and I talked to him because I'm a real proponent of getting around people who are farther down the road than you, that know more than you do. Like, I just want to learn from people. And so I went to him afterwards. I had a conversation, which led to uh, us actually talking back and forth, which led to me starting to put together the pieces of what Groundswell could look like. Um, I always kind of struggled with... Um, you know, wanting to be attractional in the sense that we were relevant and um, that people would feel like they could come and on the backside, be deeply committed to growing disciples of Jesus. And I had never seen a good combination of that, like mm -hmm. as a model. Um, but then I went to Connexus, I met Jeff and through our conversations, it started to click to me that, oh, wait, I know what this is supposed to be now. I know I, all these little pieces are starting to come together and people were starting to come together. And it actually developed into a strategic partnership with Connexus, which actually has helped us immensely. Yeah, tell um, me about that partnership because uh, for those that are listening, Connexus, uh, a lot of people would know Connexus Church. Um, 
but they're out in Ontario. Carrie Newhoff, Jeff Brody, up until uh, recently are pastoring together. Jeff Brody's the lead pastor and Carrie's the teaching pastor and Carrie's just transitioning from that role as teaching pastor and you know they're empowering a ton of other leaders. Oh yeah, and just to go one step back, sorry to pause. The connection with this podcast is um, the Church Leaders Conference was put on from Jeff and Carrie out of Connexus. And this podcast was Carrie's, this stream that we're on right now. And what had happened just for the backstory for some people that are just joining us is we had started this ministry called the Canadian Church Leaders Network, completely separate. And then I was sharing with Carrie over uh, breakfast. We were at the same conference out in London, England, and I was just sharing with him and his wife, Tony, about what we're dreaming about and praying about. And he goes, if this podcast thread would be of any benefit to you, you can have it. Just super open-handed, which was just like such awesome? a blessing. And so then we were able to relaunch this, his podcast, really, mm-hmm. and continue on in, in some of the same format and tweak little things to contextualize it. But it was just such a gift. And so to make the connection that you've also benefited from their open-handed generosity is pretty special. Yeah. And uh, and so, yeah, tell me about that partnership you've got with Connexus. Sorry for that detour there. I just no, wanted to that's con- great. Give, the, that's give great. some backdrop for the listeners. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so the the... It really started with meeting Jeff uh, at the Canadian Church Leaders Conference. And he and I went back and forth a bit. And at the time, they were considering launching a partners where they could, because they care about the Canadian Church so much that they wanted to find ways that they could resource other church leaders and other churches mm. across Canada. Now, Groundswell didn't even exist at this point um, when, I met, when I met Jeff. And... So we were going back and forth about some other things. I was having conversations with him. And when we got to a point where we were really seriously considering that God might be calling us to church plants, um, Jeff said to me, I think you should apply to be a partner. And I'm like, okay, well, that'd be amazing. But like, we haven't even started. <laughs> um, and he, he said, I'll send you the application. So he sent me the application and there wasn't one question on that application that I could answer because Mm. we didn't even exist yet. And they were all questions about church size and staff and all this stuff. And I'm like, Jeff, I can't, I can't answer. Church size, less than 20. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. And so he's like, just send me an email with a blurb, like the things that we've been talking about. He's like, I just really think that you're the right kind of person. And this is Mm. the right kind of vision to have as a partner. So they took us on as a partner. One of the, we are one of the original partners. They took us on um, before we even had a, a church at all. And so they have been with us from the very beginning. Uh, they have helped us so much. They resource us. They pray for us. They are in our corner. Um, we appreciate them so much. Jeff just, just did a series for us. Um, which is amazing. It's just, it's super to have that kind of partnership. But like mm-hmm. you said, they very open-handedly, like they, they just want to resource the Canadian church. And I think there's a lot of power in that. If we can, uh, like if we can come together as leaders across Canada and just partner with each other and resource each other, the friendships that I've built with some of the other pastors that are part of the network like people that I can text or call or just be like, Hey, I don't know how to do this. I don't know. I don't know how to navigate this. Like those kinds of partnerships and relationships are so invaluable. And Mm. so we just appreciate them so much. So they, they have been part of the DNA of Groundswell right from the very beginning. And so it's it's been amazing. Yeah. As I kind of listen to stories from across Canada, one of the things I think stands out as a theme is that um, there are like, 
these churches that are are sensing a calling to serve and love and support other churches. And sometimes there are national movements and sometimes there are, but I think a lot of what's driving people is like, hey, I see something in common with the vision and there's something about the model that I feel like my leadership can connect with in our people and then to pull the best of it. And as I think more about it and hear more about it, I realize that the more churches that have that calling to open up and give away, you don't have to be the biggest church to be able to do that. But there is that sense of calling, you know, of like, hey, what I'm building here is meant to be shared. And uh, as Canadians, sometimes we're like, we're too, quote unquote, humble to like think that we have anything to share. But actually, this is potentially, as I think about even viability, as like the needs and culture, as the culture becomes more and more de-churched and secularized, and there's so much need to resource and equip new believers and people far from God. Um, and contrast that with the reality that churches of like 100, 200, 300 are actually like really good sociologically for communities in terms of caring for needs. Absolutely. What that means then is economically and practically, we need resource hubs to be able to equip and share resources so we're not all reinventing the wheel for recovery, for evangelism, for our teaching series, so that we can effectively actually pastor and reach the city. And so I just love hearing about churches like Connexus or, you know, whether it's, you know, a church like Coastal Church downtown or West Side here or all over the GTA, even Sanctus Church. I know that they're giving away resources and uh, and, and using what God's doing there to give it away. It's just really exciting to hear. And uh, it's cool to hear how Connects has been able to serve you. And there's other churches in that network as well, right? Yeah, that's right. There are a number of churches in that network. Uh, and it's just, we all get together and help each other. And it's just so awesome. Even here in Atlanta, Canada, a shift that I've seen over the last number of years is just a real genuine desire to partner up and help each other. So even before we launched Groundswell, um, we spent time at Nova. I know you've had Mike right, Miller Mike on. Mike Miller, yeah. we've had him on, yeah. Yeah, and Mike's a great friend of mine. And so we would just take our team, we we hung out at Nova for a while because the model that they were launching with was an ARC model, which is what we were launching with as well. Um, and so they just were like, yeah, come hang out with us. And, and, and so there's that, that same kind of sense of sharing and resourcing and helping each other uh, is very active here in Atlantic Canada now, which is really exciting for me um, to be invited into, well, they don't know this, but they might know it after I say it now. Um, I call them the boys club because I'm the only girl. And so, but I love them all and great church leaders here in Atlanta, Canada. I know Brent Ingersoll has done some yeah. of your interviews and stuff. And uh, Brent is part of that group. And there's just like, I don't know, there's just this real sense in Atlanta, Canada right now in a group of, of leaders that we are better together. And if we can help each that. other, regardless of denomination, regardless of church size, like if we can help each other and we, we can go forward with this like kingdom mindset, uh, the impact that we have multiplies. And so that's, mm -hmm. a, that's an exciting thing to be part of. Um, and so we have that. I have those connections here on the East Coast. I have those connections uh, in Central Canada with Connexus. It's just I love that. I love having mm. those opportunities to just partner with other people and grow with them and learn from them. There's just I'm I'm a real proponent of not trying to reinvent the wheel all the time. If someone else is doing it really really well, why wouldn't we want to learn from them? Hmm. So oh, it's so inspiring. Yeah. I love that so much. I, um, 
Yeah, it really, it's really special to hear about that out in Atlantic Canada. I know it's happening in pockets all over Canada mm. and it's just, um, it's, it's the only, I think it's the only way forward. Absolutely. Um, so I love hearing that. Thanks for sharing that. Well, hey, I'm here with Jeremy Viss from the team at Compassion Canada. And Jared and I have been talking about just the reality of how COVID-19 has impacted so many aspects of the life of those who are affected by poverty. And Compassion is on the front line responding to those needs globally. And so, Jared, can you just give us a picture of how COVID-19 has impacted these lives and what Compassion is doing to respond? Yeah, absolutely. I think that it's something that most of my my network, my neighbors, we're not really aware of how COVID has impacted um, the most vulnerable populations in the world disproportionately, right? It's an inconvenience for us, but it's been absolutely devastating for mm. communities affected by poverty. And, you know, earlier this year, we saw different stats, and one of them was saying 50 to 60 million people this year will be pushed into extreme poverty because of uh. the response to COVID. And, and that's a number that we are not used to seeing increase. We're used to seeing that number go down every year mm-hmm. for the last 30 years. And so that kind of stings for if for us in the development community to see that kind of thing. But um, what we're seeing is, is the churches that we partner with mobilizing in, in just incredible ways. And so uh, since March, my understanding is that Compassion Partners have handed out 4.6 million hygiene kits to families. And that's giving them soap and hand sanitizer and masks and clean water if it's needed so that they can just get through and protect themselves well. And on top of that, it's 7.1 million food baskets that our partners have handed out to families that that are in their communities just to get them through another week because most families can't go out and earn an income right now Mm. uh, because they're used to going out every day to find their job for the day and bringing in money and, and using that to buy food for the day. And so it's a really hard when they can't go out and do that, right? And so uh, so that's that's the way that compassion is responding. And we're hearing incredible stories of families and kids realizing that they're, they haven't been forgotten because mm-hmm. they see that church showing up again with what they need and realizing that, you know what, we do still matter even in light of all this. Hmm. I love it, man. I think that as a pastor myself, I'm aware of the growing needs financial, emotional, in my own congregation. And my instinct is to provide care to them, which is great, I think. And I think a lot of pastors resonate with that. But I think there should be another instinct that says, how can in the midst of this, we invite our congregations to care for those globally who are most profoundly impacted by this. And so I just want to thank you so much for creating uh, great avenues for partnership in the work you're doing. And for everyone listening, if you want to find out more about how your church or you and your family can connect meaningfully with the work of compassion and just find out more about how they're responding to COVID-19 and other things going on, you can go to ccln.ca slash compassion, got more about compassion's work, and it'll be easy for you to connect with people like Jeremy and their team to find out more. Um, earlier when we we're chatting, you, you mentioned something just before the interview that just really stood out to me. And I want to just take some time just to unpack a little bit. You, you talked about this idea that one of the biggest challenges that we have in our leadership is leading ourselves, And um, that just really stood out to me. So I just love to hear you unpack that implication because we live in a time where leadership is so essential. Uh, not just because of COVID, but uh, uh, the, the r- rapid change happening around us requires such active leadership. Like it is a time you can't not lead. Um, and so it's tempting to say that leadership, the primary task of leadership is communicating to the people, is adapting to change. 
Uh, but I was really compelled just by this idea of, you know, the, the, in order to thrive in that space, you've got to be able to actually lead self. And so could you tell me why that's a value for you and what you mean by that idea? Yeah, I think that, um, I think we, you're absolutely right. I think we get very caught up in the idea that we have to, you know, we have to be out in front. We have to be able to lead other people. People are looking to us for direction, especially over the last, you know, number of months, as we all know. Um, and there's a lot of pressure in that to, to lead well. Um, but something that was ingrained in me early on is if you can't lead yourself well, then how can you ever expect anybody else to A, follow you <laughs> um, or for you to be able to lead from a deep place, like a deep well. Um. And so that stuck with me. Um, I was really fortunate to do uh, aero leadership training and that's something that was like really embedded in me there. And so this idea that if we don't take the time to lead ourselves well, we don't take the time to... Um, really be deeply connected to Jesus. If we don't take the time to go ourselves, we don't take that the time we need to be healthy. Hmm. So, I mean, like, I, 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 I'm going to say that you should do this and know that I don't always do it well. Uh, but like physically healthy, we can't, we don't lead well if we're not physically healthy, if we're not looking after our own mental health. Um, mm. And so if you haven't developed the skills that you need to lead well in those areas, lead yourself well in those areas, it will be very difficult for you to lead well in any other form. I think mm. we can fake our way through a portion of it. And I think we probably all do it at different times, um, but it's not sustainable. And we mm. don't need good leaders going down left, right, and center. Yeah. Um, and so you can learn lots of great leadership stuff, and everybody should. Um, you can go to the best online conferences. Uh, you can listen to the best podcasts. But if you're not doing the hard internal work of leading mm -hmm. yourself well, it's not sustainable. And what comes out of that won't be the best that it could be either. Um, mm. God, you know, God wants us to lead from a place of peace as well. And you don't, you don't hit that place of peace unless you're really spending the time necessary to do the hard work, whether that's spending lots of time with Jesus so you can let him do the hard work and surrender that to him. Um, or if it's you being willing to do the hard work internally, like opening yourself up, sometimes we have to be willing to open up those doors to, mm. to allow him to do the work that needs to be done internally. The hardest person to lead is you. Mm. It's you. Um, you can fake your way through portions of leading other people. Uh, the hardest person to lead is you. So if that's something that you can put the, the work into and learn how to do well. Now, I'm not saying I do it well all the time because I don't. Um, but I do know it's important. And um, mm -hmm. you got to check yourself. You got to check yourself once in a while and make sure you're leading you well. Yeah. I mean, I don't even know what date we're releasing this. Um, but I, you can almost say every week about another leader that 
compromised and found just carnage as a result of personal decisions. And, and so often it's a result of unhealth or hurt or wounds or the pressure. And, um, it's the carnage on the body of Christ is huge, but also it's just not the way of Jesus to have to sacrifice family or self for the name of success or whatever it might be. And I know I don't want to oversimplify why these things happen. I know you're not just speaking about that one implication, but it's just real in my heart right now. And I've just been really feeling it as I've been reflecting over the last couple of weeks. And um, I just appreciate you sharing that word, Tammy. And um, I think what's, what's crazy as a leader is just our ability to keep going without anyone knowing, well, while the well is dry. Yeah, absolutely. And then the fear that comes in and it's self-preservation, it's our own ego, but also the enemy that says, don't tell anyone, like yeah. don't let anyone in and tell them that the well is dry or that you're exhausted. And um, for you, Tammy, what are some of the things that are of like chief importance in terms of rhythms or habits in your life that that reflect that commitment to self-leadership and you don't have to keep saying i don't get this always right we all know that so <laughs> but just in terms so like you know i'm asking you you know not because you're an expert but because this conversation is important you know what are some of the rhythms or habits or even just values in your life that reflect that passion for self-leadership and that commitment to it yeah i would i would even say as an encouragement to people like this is an ongoing process. Um, for me, it shifts and changes all the time because I learn something new about myself. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I need to put this in because I'm mm. not doing so well in this department. Um, so COVID actually has been a season of me kind of re-identifying the things that are actually really, really important. I know everybody says this, <laughs> um, but there is something, there are days lately where I've said, oh, I could use lockdown again, I think. <laughs> um, I could benefit from a couple weeks of lockdown. Um, health is big deal. Uh, I'm in my 40s now, and you hit your 40s, things start to change, um, and it has never been more evident to me that your physical health affects everything else. Hmm. Um, so that's a thing for me, um, just getting 30 minutes of exercise in every day. It's really important. And if you don't think it is, if you're listening to this and you don't think it is, you need to rethink that decision. Uh, it's really important for our physical health, for our mental health, and for our spiritual health. Um, because if we don't feel well physically, it affects everything. Hmm. And so that's, that's been a big thing for me over the last six, seven months is just to kind of get that in check. Um, I am not a schedule person. Uh, I don't really actually do well with routines. I rebel against them. <laughs> um, you're, gonna, you're getting the real truth here, Jason. About I love me. it. Appreciate uh, it. But I... So routine is not something that I necessarily do well. I have to really, really discipline myself. Um, and so 
spending time with Jesus clearly is incredibly important. Um, and so whether it's in the morning or in the evening, uh, it just really, I like to be flexible with my days. So I kind mm-hmm. of put it into the place where I can be most effective. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not a real morning person. I wish I was. I try. I'm not. Um, and so it's often an evening thing for me. That's where I find that I get the most clarity in my mind. It's where I find that I can really sit and rest and dwell and listen. I would mm. say one of the biggest things that I would encourage people in that has been big for me in those disciplines is listening listening. I think we often feel like we have to fill space and we have to do all the talking. And um, I think we need to listen more. I think we need Mm -hmm. to hear more from the heart of God. Um, I think we need to let him speak into our emptiness. I think we need to let him speak into Uh, the areas that we need to grow in. And if we're always filling the space, um, we don't always hear very well from him. And so Mm -hmm. for me, developing a habit of listening uh, is probably one of the greatest gifts uh, to me and to my leadership um, as I try to lead other people. I Honestly, my whole Christian life um, has really just been about listening to where God was calling me and listening to what he was saying and doing that. Hmm. <laughs> Honestly, that, that has been my whole experience following Jesus is listening and being obedient. And so crafting a habit of listening Uh, Mm -hmm. I think is a great gift to any leader and will help you um, to lead yourself well, especially in seasons where there's a lot of demand on your ability to lead people. People, we think that people are looking for us to make great decisions, um, you know, always have the right answers. I think people are looking at us to lead ourselves well and lead out of that and be transparent and be open, um, lead with authenticity um, because they want to follow people who are real. They want to follow people who um, are struggling too, right? Mm -hmm. They want to know that they're real. Like uh, I'm real just like they are. Um, It's okay to lead out of some of your own struggle, um, if in the leading you're pointing people towards Jesus. Hmm. And so, yeah, I think, I think the listening is a huge component of what we all need to be doing as leaders. Hmm. We're good at talking. I appreciate that. (laughs) We are, we are really good at that as pastors and it's hard, it's hard to listen. It's hard to listen when you're tired. Hey, that's what's interesting oh, yeah. about the connection point between physical health and rest. Absolutely. Is when yeah. I'm tired, when I'm, sometimes it's like we think energy is our problem from listening. I think it's like, it's hard to really listen to the people, to listen to your internal feedback loops and to the Lord when you're tired. And uh, 
I so appreciate you sharing that. Now, Tammy, something that's obviously part of your story is you mentioned it being part of the boys club. And uh, I think those boys will be fine with it. I think <laughs> they, they'll have a chuckle and appreciate it, but it's a real conversation. And, um, it's, and I know it's something that you've, you've shared about, you've been able to encourage other young women who are in ministry or, um, and the broader context. And I just, just want to give you space to just reflect back, um, to myself and the listeners, just, you know, some of the things you've learned or your experiences as somebody, um, pastor in a church, um, where there's not a lot of other female pastors leading churches, not just in your region, but across Canada. And there are some, you know, and there's lots that to celebrate, but obviously, um, n- there's, there's a disproportionate amount of men. And so I just would love to yeah hear a little bit about that. Yeah. I mean, it's been an interesting journey when, when I, um, first started following Jesus, people really wanted me to get on the, be a cheerleader for women in ministry train. Um, and I, Honestly, at the very beginning, I was angry with the church a little bit um, because I knew that there were leadership gifts in me, um, and I, I really felt like maybe that the church would not be a place where I could use those gifts. Um, but one shift that I made really early on was I just chose to be obedient to what God was calling me to do and Mm. not getting involved in the drama or the (laughs) arguments or the conversation. I just really believed that if I could honor God um, in in being obedient to what he was calling me to do, um, that people would see the fruit of that obedience and then God could do whatever he wanted to with that to, you know, glorify himself and to, hmm. to, that we could use that maybe to shed light on the fact that you know, God does call and use women um, in these areas. And so that's kind of how, that is how I've gone through the last 15, 17 years. Um, I've just been obedient to what he called me to. So at first that was being obedient to being a mom and being a, you know, being a great mom and supporting the local church and serving however I could in whatever capacity I could. And then through that, God opened up doors for me to end up in seminary, uh, which is a crazy story in and of itself because I had no undergrad degree. And I ended up doing my MDiv, um, but that's another story for another time. Where did you do your MDiv? I did my MDiv at Acadia Divinity cool. and, um, in Wolfville, um, but I had no undergrad. And God opened this door for me to do my MDiv. And this was before Amazing. I never planned on being a pastor, ever. Hmm. Even so you do your whole MDiv without necessarily being like, this is to equip me for this. No. Nope. Wow. I just knew I was investment. supposed to do it. I I just not just knew. an not not a master's of arts in Christian leadership or studies, <laughs> an MDiv, yeah. languages and all. <laughs> yeah, it took me took me ten years to finish it, Good like part time. But amazing. Uh, but it was through that process that um, the church was identifying gifts in me, and so that church, that little country church, went through a few pastors and said they didn't want a female pastor. But I mm-hmm. ended up 
pastoring that church down the road. Um, and so I just continued, continued to just be obedient to whatever God was calling me to. If I was serving as a worship leader, if I was serving uh, as a youth leader or uh, an elder on the board, like every step of the way, it was really just about being obedient to whatever God was calling me to and serving him with excellence in the midst of it. And God just continued to open doors and open doors and open doors and open doors. Um, and I think it's, a, it's challenging to be a female lead pastor. There's no question. Um, not that it's challenging to lead because it's not. Um, so no more challenging than it is for a male to lead. It's, cha- it's hard to be, um, it can be hard to feel like you're welcomed and accepted among your peers. And so mm-hmm. that's another reason why I'm super thankful for the boys club <laughs> um, because they invited me in. And like I've said to, I've said this to Brent, like it meant a lot to me to be, mm-hmm. well, I'll get emotional about it. Um, it meant a lot to me to be welcomed and invited in. And so it, it is hard. It is challenging um, but it's super rewarding too when you just um, you just keep stepping forward and walking through doors that God is opening up for you. Um, yeah, and I just know I know that there are a lot of young female leaders out there that like they struggle to find their place. And they struggle to believe that whatever God has placed in them could actually, they could actually use it. Um, But I would just, I would just encourage any young female leader who might be listening today, just continue to be obedient, serve with excellence um, and honor God in the midst of all of it and let him sort it out. Like Hmm. let him work it out. Um, don't worry too much about everyone's opinions. Um, if you're serving him well, then people will see the fruit of that. And that's really what matters. It doesn't really matter if people agree that women should be lead pastors or not lead pastors. <laughs> what matters is that we're using the gifts that he's given to us to serve the local church to advance his kingdom, to help more people find Jesus. Um, so, yeah, it's been an interesting journey, but I wouldn't change any of it. And I'm super, super thankful for all of the men that have come alongside of me um, over the past number of years and have encouraged me and have helped me and have partnered with me and have invited me into rooms that I wouldn't otherwise be able to get into. Um, And I believe that if we're really going to see change, um, it it, it will start with those men who believe in and encourage young female leaders um, to use the gifts that God has given to them to serve the local church. So step forward with obedience and bring honor to the king in the midst of it. And he'll, he'll do great things with it. 
this has been an absolutely amazing conversation and I'm just so grateful for you. I'm feeling particularly grateful for your mother-in-law right now (laughs) for inviting you on Alpha. And I just so respect and appreciate your voice and your leadership and your time. Thanks for being with us today. My absolute pleasure. It was so great to be with you, Jason. Well, thank you so much, Tammy, for taking time to share with us today. It was so great to hear from you and to hear your heart. And if you're wanting to stay more up to date with Tammy and the activities of Groundswell Church, you can find all you need to know on our blog for the episode at ccln.ca. Now, I'm excited to share with you about next week because we're releasing a very unique episode. Over the last few months, I noticed that a number of Canadian authors were releasing books this year. And so next week's episode will feature short conversations that I've had with four Canadian authors. I sat down with Aaron White, who leads 24-7 Prayer, Andy Steiger of Northview Community Church in Abbotsford, Alistair Stern of St. Peter's Fireside, he's a pastor here in Vancouver, and Brett Allman from Ajax, Ontario. And in this episode, you'll get to hear all four of them share a bit about themselves and the heart of their most recent books, dealing with apologies and rhythms of life and parenting and addiction. The content of their books is so solid and I love getting to know them. I'm looking forward to sharing those conversations with you. Okay, that's all I have for you today. Please give us a like or review if you haven't already. And we've just added a way for people to support the work of CC Land. You can head over to our website. There's now a giving function there. We depend on the support of listeners like you and a growing group of community that are serving pastors and wanting to make content like this accessible. Thank you so much for listening today. We'll see you next week.